0: Your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this, this is the, pod, is the for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. It's the Knicks versus Canada, or the very least Canadian basketball team. Uh, what's up, guys? It's EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beard. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast odyssey WFN and an original we have plenty to get to on this episode. Of Orange Blue Blood, we'll be talking about this lawsuit that the Knicks have filed against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, It felt like a dead part of the NBA season, dead part of Knicks season. Turns out uh things got very interesting. Over the past 24 hours, the Knicks filed a lawsuit claiming that a former employee who's not with the Raptors had stolen proprietary files and information to give over to the Toronto Raptors in hopes of giving them a scouting advantage, so we'll discuss all the details of that. That lawsuit is very interesting. We'll also talk about various different things I saw over the course of this past weekend, and perhaps some Knicks getting some disrespect by some eyes. So you got a Team USA uh, finishing up their exhibition tour before the FIBA World Cup, which begins this weekend. And in the last win, Team USA had that they had to sweat out. It was a comeback victory. It included Jalen Brunson sitting on the bench for most of crunch time. So we'll talk about why that happened, and some of the conversation about whether or not Jalen LeBron should actually keep his starting point guard job with Team USA. And the age-old question, is Julius Randle still underrated? Well, the Athletic dropped their annual tier groups, and some Knicks fans weren't happy where Julius Randle was listed, not in the top 50. Players in the NBA. So I want to give you guys uh, uh, why he wasn't ranked in the top 50, and we'll have discussion on it on the other end. Again, this is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Tommy Beer. We got Arnie Bloods coming at you right now. Well, as I mentioned, Tommy Beer joins me as always. And Tommy, uh, is, I guess never, there never really is a dull day in Knicks' world. We can think that this is a slow time and then uh, a lawsuit, you know, calling another team's coach a novice. And here we are uh, in 2023 when it comes to Knicks basketball.
1: Never a dull moment. True words have never been spoken. Um, you know, we expected some, maybe some trade rumors, some wild, uh, you know, uh, you know, who knows what type of stuff we might see. But uh, it turns out there is a lawsuit involved. So why don't you give us a little bit of the background and just give us the details as we know them uh, at this moment.
0: Let's get it. So, again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods. Uh, you can catch this podcast wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us on WFAN channel uh, over there as well if you want to watch these uh, video podcasts uh, along with listening to the podcast. So, see you in court. That's what the Knicks are telling the Toronto Raptors on Monday uh, after filing a lawsuit against the team and former Knicks employee uh, Ikeshubo, uh Azotam. And apologies if the pronunciation was screwed up there. Um, the Knicks claim Azotam, who recently was hired by the Raptors, illegally took thousands of proprietary files with him to his new position with the Toronto Raptors. So according to the lawsuit, Azatam, who worked for the Knicks as a assistant video coordinator and then as a director of video analytics and player development assistant uh, from 2020 to 2023, took thousands of confidential files, including player frequency reports, a prep book for the 2022-23 season, video scouting files, and opposition research. Now the timeline of the alleged events is important. The Knicks claim Toronto began recruiting uh, this gentleman in June saying the Raptors considered, uh, conspired to use uh, his position as a current Knicks insider to funnel proprietary information to the Raptors to help them organize, plan and structure the new coaching and video operations staff. So of course the Raptors had hired uh, Darko Rajakovich to be their new head coach and they're saying that this all coincided with um, these moves from Asatam to kind of get them a head start in that situation so uh, it was then that the Knicks were informed in July of the job offer that was given to Asatam by Toronto and that he had begin he had began sending the information from his Knicks account to his personal Gmail account before then sending it over to the Raptors now again the lawsuit directly named Raptors head coach Darko Rajakovic saying he directed at the time to make the alleged theft. at the time uh, allegedly shared his Nick's own synergy account which is a synergy sports account it's like a, it's a uh, it's a basically a analytics hub uh, of information i have an account uh, that that talks about college basketball i use it for my nba draft stuff and essentially he shared this account that was nick's owned with the Toronto Raptors which gave Toronto access to the Knicks' edited game film, among other things. So, a lot going on here with these allegations, and there's plenty more details I'm sure we can get into. But on the surface, Tommy, the allegations in your eyes, big deal, little deal, or no deal?
1: I mean, to answer your question directly, the allegations are deal. Um, let's start here that they're just allegations at this point. Um, right. You know, we don't. We just. You know, it's very important to note we've heard one side of the argument. Um, for those that have, you know, read through the 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 the, the and the sue the accusations, they're obviously very serious. Um, but let's wait until the Raptors respond. Um, certainly, you know, they they've, they they uh, Maple Leafs, uh, you know, their parent company and the Raptors have denied the allegations thus far in their initial statement. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, but certainly um you know cause for concern certain's obviously something we got to keep an eye on. Um, this wasn't just you know a minor infraction and um you know, even mentioned the synergy accounts um you know for those that are unfamiliar it's sort of like um, a Netflix account where you know you have access yeah. to this, this information but you can share it with your brother with your uncle whoever the case might be um you know folks that work for the same company I've worked at, at, at sites before where one person will you know pay for the account and then we'll we'll chip in and we'll share the information so we can each look up you know the amount of times the Knicks have run pick and rolls or you know the matter how the pick and roles, et cetera. So that's just one, you know, kind of small piece of the puzzle. Then you get into the the, the prep work, uh, you know, preparing for other teams and and you know things along those lines. Um, so that's kind of where things get interesting. That's where it could get a little deal from the Raptors standpoint.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a pretty big deal. When the headline first came across, I kind of kind of shrugged my shoulders saying, okay, I mean, you know, this doesn't sound good, but I guess we'll see how this goes. But I, the, my first initial question when I saw this was, why Why is this a lawsuit? I mean, I, I, when was the last time you've seen an NBA team sue yeah. another NBA team? It, it's very rare these kind of things happen. We sometimes see players sue teams, but not not another right. NBA team. And I think when I read these allegations from the Knicks, it feels like it stems from a lack of action from the NBA because the NBA, according to sources to Sny and several other people who have reported on it, there have been so many great reports and breakdowns on this. The Knicks did reach out to the Raptors and did reach out to the NBA with their concerns regarding this. Uh, The Raptors say it was last week when they did. Uh, We don't know. The NBA has not commented on this yet, um, so we don't know what when the NBA was contacted. But it it sounds to me as if the NBA really didn't do much when they (laughs) learned these allegations. They didn't announce any investigation. They didn't announce, and there's nothing in public. I mean, maybe they said they were going to do something behind the scenes or whatever, but as far as I'm concerned, it didn't seem like anything happened. And the Knicks decided, all right, well, if you're not going to do anything about this, then we're going to put this on front street and let the whole world know what we believe went down and they don't put the Raptors in the greatest light. Now, there has been several articles as well that have pointed to this kind of cantankerous relationship that is being forged between the Raptors and Knicks that, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I was quite aware of until the timeline of events kind of were kind of laid out. You know, this kind of dates back to Messiah Jerry running Denver Nuggets with the Anthony trade. This dates back to uh, the Andrea Bargnani trade and Joel Dolan feeling like he was embarrassed and basically pantsed. By by Ujiri for the move that he made there, and that there's a, a Kyle Lowry trade that Dolan actually nixed. Because, no pun intended, because he didn't want to work with Masai Ujiri. He was concerned he was being fleeced again. So, um, and we've heard Masai Ujiri say that he doesn't like the Knicks. And so there's a lot there's there's apparently a history here, which is weird because also there was this report that the Knicks wanted to hire Masai Ujiri. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but I do think that there is bad blood between these organizations. And I, I think in any situation, there are very specific, and Nick say that he violated not just laws, but also, uh, you know, employee bylines, that I guess you sign when you sign a contract to be an employee for the Knicks. Uh, but there are very clear rules and laws about what you can and cannot take when you are at one employer, and then you're going to leave for another employer, especially an employer that's a competitor. I mean, they're very clear. I mean, that's where the Knicks are stepping in here. I guess the question becomes, is this normal? Does this happen often? And that seems kind of to be like the where the, where the disagreement has come. I've seen some people say this seems a little uh, excessive, especially when you consider the amount of times Nick's alleged that you had Raptors people, uh, you know, basically signing into Nick's accounts to, to, to look at stuff. How many times uh, Nick's files were accessed by Raptors people? That seems a little intense. Um, but other times people say, Hey, you know, there, this is a league and people move back and forth. So you're going to have information that gets shared. What I think the reason why I'm annoyed is because one, I don't know why if you're the Raptors, why you don't have this information, like, shouldn't like, I know you're a new head coach in, in Roger Kovic. I know like it's a different feel. Cause you know, with, with Nick nurse who had been there for a while, not just as an assistant, but as a head coach, um, you know, you're, you're changing a lot of things, but it feels like something basic like scouting reports and game film. It feels like you should have an archive of that. Like, are the Raptors just kind of uh, working on a, on a on a shoestring budget? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, that to me was a little uh, peculiar. And for me, like I said, I, I'm a little annoyed at the NBA for not at least announcing that something was going down or that they were going to be looking into this. It just feels like this is another example of the Knicks. The NBA kind of not taking the Knicks very seriously when they kind of get uh, – when they get done wrong, like we saw that with the Dallas Mavericks and the whole tanking at the end of the season so that the Knicks don't get a pick. And now we're seeing it here. I think that's part of the reason why Dolan and the Knicks took this uh took this uh took this move, made this uh the thing that they wanted to do, is but instead of just kind of letting this go away quietly.
1: Yeah, the thing is we don't know how seriously the NBA took the initial, you know, uh allegations. You know, did they right. You mentioned that the that the that the Knicks put the Raptors on front Street, and that's 100% true. And that's what Adam Silver does not want. You do not want your, you know, your two employees, because you know they're they're a collective. You know, essentially they're uh, they're two co-owners, part of a larger collective group of of you know uh, you know colleagues. Um, you don't want them battling it out in federal court now. That takes it out of Silver's hands, um, which makes it very uncomfortable for all involved, uh, especially the NBA. But we know Dolan who's particularly litigious. Um, so if there's one team that's that would, you know, go to such lengths, um, you know, it's, it's not shocking that it's the Knicks. Um, in terms of does this happen, I think that's kind of going to get to the key point of this. I think it probably happens more often than we are aware. I don't know to yeah. the extent, um, but it's one of those things. Yeah, you know, if you're driving, you know, the speed limit 65 and you're going 62, are you breaking the law? Yeah, kind of, but you know, you can let it slide, you know, this, you know, that's kind of where we get into that gray area here, you know, is it, are they busted for jaywalking, even though it's, you know, illegal to jaywalk? Um, you know, is this something that the, you know, that federal courts are going to take seriously, potentially, um, again, because it's out of the NBA's hands now. So it's intellectual property rights, um, you know, th- these, th- there's all these other, you know, things that, that are really difficult. You know, we can bring an IP attorney, um, that can explain it. You know, we're, we're, we're lowly, you know, basketball analysts. Um, and that, and that's gonna, what, what is really going to make this thing interesting. Um, so that, that's, that's what I'll say. Um, you know, we see it in sports a lot, um, you know, uh, not to this extent, certainly, but, the Cowboys are playing the Giants. Uh, the Giants waived a backup linebacker two weeks ago. The Cowboys will sign him to a practice squad in advance of a of a, a Week 14 game, so they get a you know a feel for you know the, the, the practice and the you know those kind of things. Um, again, if the if the Knicks employee, certainly the Raptors would have had him come in and debrief them, so to speak. You know, and yeah. say, hey, this is how we prepare. Um, we use synergy. Um, then we have four guys that break down the opponent and then we have two guys break down break down and then they cut it up and then they give it to the assistant coach and the assistant coach watches it and he watches you know the first half an hour the defense you know just kind of the system schematically um the the, the upper end eye of the of the franchise um it gets taken to a different level when you take the literal you know again property rights the you know the synergy stuff is is I think grabbed a lot of lines initially, but to me, the the kind of smoking gun stuff is if there was preparation material. So this is how we're going to defend yeah. Pascal Siakam. This is where he's effective. Lower left block. He shoots thirty six percent. Again, this stuff is accessible, but it does take time. It does take you know, yeah. it's it's you have to learn where to look at synergy, learn what stuff to look at, and then piece together different components of it. Um, again, not rocket science, but you know, one of the things the Knicks have advantage of, and the one of the, the things Dolan has availed himself to is their advanced analytics department. Um, this yes. wasn't a priority in years past with Leon Rose and growth by West and Allen, um, and, and Scott Perry, you know, kind of ushered in as well. Um, was a, a commitment to advanced analytics. Um, and that's something, you, know, you have salary cap in the NBA. Um, you know, you're probably only going to pay your head coach, you know, a certain amount, but you can spend, yeah. uh, you know, limitless funds, on you know you know work so sort of outspend these other teams by outsourcing um, additional assistant coaches, additional film guys, and things on those lines. Kind of take advantage of your resources. You're bringing in more money. You have a larger arena. You have you sell more tickets and jerseys, etc. Um, so I think that's kind of where the Knicks were. Um, they pri- clearly, they stated in the in the in the suit. Um, you know this is information we've developed over years. Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, that only we possess, and it's illegal for this individual to take that information forward it to. Uh, and the fact that he, you know, forwarded from his Nick's account to his Gmail account, this stuff's so traceable nowadays. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a foolish, you know, decision by the kid. Um, but the other thing is, you know, and you mentioned time and again, it's almost a personal attack on the Raptors head coach. Um, yes. Which takes this thing to a whole takes this thing to a whole other level, um, and that's so. If the, the 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 kid says, you know, uh, he's a, I, I say he's a kid, I, you know, in his mid twenties or late twenties. Um, you know, contacts the Raptors and says, "Hey, um, my guys are looking for a video coordinator. I'm the video coordinator for the Knicks. If you hire me, I bring this years of experience, etc. I can also tell you how the Knicks get get things done." And he right. or he pitches the idea, but if the Raptors' new head coach says, "Listen, we'll hire you, but." You need to, you know, bring this proprietary information. The one thing that I haven't seen answered yet, also, um, as sort of an aside, it's odd the, how quiet Shams and Woj have been on this. I know um, this is a, this is a major story um, that transcends <laughs> the Knicks, that transcends the NBA. You know, this is a CNN, you know, New York Times story. Um, so, as an aside, I'm shocked that that those guys have been as quiet about I know. it. Um, you know, so that, that and that's makes me
0: wonder why why that is. I mean. Is there a gag order from the NBA? Like, what? What's why? Why is this not a, being reported by the top? Very the top. interesting.
1: It's very interesting. We could put our tin hat, and you know, maybe it's a yeah. you know close, you know, close to the jury. Um, uh, but again, so it's one thing if the kid says, "Listen, I got this stuff Do you guys want, uh, okay?" You know, said you know he talks to the the guy who hired him, was the uh, assistant to the assistant regional man, you know, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, if, that's one thing. But again, if it's the head coach saying we need this forward me this directly and the Nick again, and again, again mentioned him by name, which makes me think do they know where the information was forwarded to and, and how it was accessed So that's the thing that makes that, you know, the, the fact that they didn't say the, the organization, the Raptors, again, they mentioned yeah, it, the head coach that and that's sure. where things get really tricky. Um, we've seen this with the Astros. Um, if this is proven true, again, even if it's, not the 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 worst thing in the world even if it's not you know finable by jail time um the raptors may have no other choice but to fire the head coach
0: yeah and the thing about it is you know it's one of those things where you're talking about federal lawsuit there could be subpoenas yes. happening like you know yes. one of the one of the claims here was you know apparently the nick saw in an email i don't know how or why this this young man did this but like he apparently sent something over to one of the raptors video coordinators and it says synergy login <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. literally the topic of the email and this is just the first initial claims of allegations and evidence we don't know what the knicks have beyond that so if they're confident enough to say that because that was a, that was the one thing where i thought maybe the Knicks jumped out the window and i still wonder if they jumped out the window because you're saying the head coach directed this young man to do yes. this how the hell do you prove that? Well, right. the way you would prove that, quite frankly, is to take it to court. Like, yeah. I don't think you would ever prove that in an NBA investigation. Because I don't think the NBA... Or, or, or unless you have the electronic receipts. Right, exactly. Um, but like, my thought process would be, if it's his personal email, I guess there's no reason why they would maybe have that information. He sent his personal email, hey, coach, uh, I got yeah, this stuff. Um, maybe and they don't have died. that. Right. Oh, right but he may they may think hey if we go take this to federal court we can show that he's getting this directive from the head coach why they think that they know that I don't know like you said maybe there are some electronic receipts that kind of point in that direction but that to me was the big thing and 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 I agree the fact that it's not being covered as much is interesting because I mean the head coach is implicated the head coach of the Toronto Raptors doesn't get to coach a game because he has to be fired or or he has to be suspended like this can end up being a major deal
1: my last two points on this one, my yeah. initial reaction when I first saw it, because I didn't think again, I didn't kind of understand the rest of it. Again, we still don't know the details. We don't know the Raptors side, etc. Important to, you know, kind of, kind of lead with that. Um, my initial gut reaction was, well, this means the Knicks are not going to trade for OG Ananobi <laughs> anytime soon. Um, maybe, oh. you know, if he comes in and they, you know, analyze that new member CAA, etc. Um, there was some talk that maybe Diaco, you know, that's, you know, three, Ray Randall or something, you know, that might be something they discuss, you know, that if the Raptors get off to a slow start. Again, the Raptors have to make some important decisions the next few months. Um, but now we can safely assume that these two teams will obviously never trade in the foreseeable future until the parties, you know, the front rows is gone and the jury's, you know, years down the road. Um, and the other thing is Silver does not want this to go to trial. He does not want the coverage. He does not want teams to go, you know, take a stand under oath and (laughs) questioned uh, by 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 litigious attorneys looking to kind of uncover truths and trade secrets and and all this other stuff. So you know he's doing everything in his power for this to be settled quietly and for the league to release uh, a, a memo uh on a september on a four thirty, on a on a friday in, in mid-september um and this thing kind of gets swept under the rug um we'll see if that's the case um we'll see if it gets dragged out but uh it, 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 it'll be interesting
0: and my last thing on this as well is i know you know the language of the lawsuit and the personal nature of the lawsuit feels very james dolan but i think the fact that this lawsuit is happening makes me kind of dismiss the whole James Dolan's a petty dude kind of spiel. Like you would think that this is something that Leon Rose clearly is not happy about. Like, I I don't think that uh, Leon Rose doesn't care about this, but James Dolan would even have the information to look into this and say, Oh, you know what? I want to file. Like I I don't think that that's happening. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underestimating, you know, the mustache twirling James Dolan here. But the fact that this is getting to a lawsuit tells me that, Leon isn't happy that this happened, and if Leon isn't happy that this happened. Then that's what makes this a big deal, because I think this was just like your typical "oh, I'm t- I'm t- I don't I want to face scan people, whatever like that stuff." Okay, whatever. This is a basketball related thing, and again, there are some people in, who worked in organizations saying, "Oh, this is normal practices." And Leon Rose is all about relationships. Leon Rose is all about um, yeah. making sure that like that 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 the Knicks are seen in a certain light. He's not about breaking, uh, burning bridges and, and causing issues unnecessarily. So, if this is going to this length, it feels like there was a true affront that happened possibly in this situation. And that's what makes me rise, raise my eyebrows, makes me keep watching because Leon's not the kind of guy that I think is going to be crying over spilled milk. Like, if he's going to make this big a stink about this, then something bigger afoot may be, uh, may be happening here.
1: I would say it's more likely that Dolan is the bigger part, but he certainly, you would think, you know, unless, you know, Rose, we get a, you know, a, a, a press release and saying he's resigned because he disagrees with right. the right. Yeah, yeah. so, Rose lines um, that he at the very least signed off on and said, yes, I agree with that. This is completely inappropriate. Um, I'm yep. cool with you, you know, going forward with the organization going forward. With the, with the exactly.
0: Yeah. So we'll continue to follow, we'll see how that story goes, but uh, I don't get the impression that's going to be one that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, but let's shift gears here. So Team USA wrapped up its exhibition circuit with an overtime win over Germany this past weekend. And now there are questions about who should start at point guard for the U.S. Brunson struggled defending Germany's guards on Saturday, which led to him getting benched midway through the uh, third quarter with the Americans down double digits. Indiana Patriots guard Tyrese Halliburton played most of the rest of the game, along with Austin Reeves and Anthony Edwards as the U.S. Stormed back. To win the game. The game led many observers not only make the case that Halliburton should start over Brunson once the tournament begins on August 26th for the FIBA World Cup, uh, uh, but that Halliburton was a better player than Brunson, better NBA player than Brunson. Bill Simmons tweeting, quote, Team USA's biggest issue for the actual tournament, accepting that Halliburton and Reeves are two of the best players on the team. They're going to have to be out there in any big situation, even if feelings get hurt. So, would Team USA, in your eyes, Tommy, be better off starting Tyrese Halliburton moving forward?
1: Uh, so so two different questions here. Is Halliburton a better player than Brunson, and should Halliburton start? Because, again, um, you know, is Hart, is Josh Hart a better player than R.J. Barrett? <laughs> That's a good argument to have. You know, we, we see it all the time. Was Manu Ginobili better than the guys starting ahead, you know, ahead of him on the Spurs? Yeah, Steven um, was-
0: Jackson or Bruce Bowen, whoever you are.
1: All, all that stuff. It just happened to be the way that the team was constructed. And, you right. know, you have Tony Parker kind of doing his thing offensively and they take him out and let him kind of run the, the focal point of the team, et cetera. Um, That So so we'll get into the, kind of the Halliburton-Brunson debate, but you can make a, a, a realistic argument that mm-hmm. the Team USA is better suited to have Halliburton start because he's a better point of attack defender and the Knicks have plenty of offensive options in that starting unit. Brandon Ingram, uh, obviously Anthony Edwards, who's you know establishing himself as a star right before our very eyes at an yeah. incredibly young age, which is 22. Um, you know all that all that other stuff gets played into. Personally, I think Brunson has earned the right to start. Um, he's a leader. We know he's going to put up points. Um, we've he, he's shown us in the most importantly for me, he's the proven postseason performer. Um, so uh-huh. when things get, get 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 crazy again, that's different than an exhibition game. Right. Uh, in the United Arab Emirates, you know, in a game that essentially means nothing uh, compared to uh, a, a game, uh, you know, a gold medal game, uh, a Final Four game, where they, you know, if they lose, they can't, you know, they, the best they can do is the bronze, um, you know, against Spain, um, you know, a, a month from now. I have full faith in Jalen Brunson. He was with the little spots. Is Halliburton a great player? Yes. Do I think he has a very good chance of putting up some good numbers? Absolutely. Do I think, you know, can he contribute and, and make an impact? Yes. So I wouldn't certainly bet against, um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to to Halliburton getting many, many extended minutes. My thing is this, and we talked about this last week when we talked about the, the lead-up to uh, yeah. Team USA. Having Halliburton on the court does not mean that Jalen Brunson's not on the court and, and right. vice versa. Having Brunson on the court doesn't mean Halliburton. You know, so to Bill Simmons' point, Halbert can be part of the, the, Knicks, the, the Knicks, Team USA's closing mm-hmm. five, and Brunson can be a, a part of the closing five as well. They can go small, you know, put Andy Edwards on the wing. Halbert's tall and, and lengthy enough, um, you know, to, to play off guard or, you know, to, to defend two guards and small forwards, et cetera. Um, you got our jack center. And he, there's just a bunch of different options. Um, again, Brandon Ingram hasn't played well. Um, does he deserve to be part right. of the final five? Um, I think trusting Kerr, I thought it was a. I fi- I was fine with the decision um to leave Halliburton in the game. He, you know, him and, and Ann Edwards sparked the comeback, let those guys shit out in an exhibition game, give Halliburton some reps as kind of that closing unit. Um, so uh, you know, all that being said, roundabout way, I believe Brunson should be the starting point guard. I think he will be the starting point guard. But again, Steve Kerr is gonna be fluid. Um, and the one part of Simmons tweet I agree with. Eagles cannot play a part in, in what goes on here. We saw that, how that's sure. impacted the USA in years past. And the one thing we know about Brunson, he's content starting. He's content coming off the bench. When you call his number, he'll be ready and he'll deliver.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brunson did not play well in this game. He was two for six. Right. His defense was not good. Um, he had a bad game. There's no question about that. And Halberd, who and Halberd said after the game that you know he felt like the second unit actually kind of kind of cost you at the team USA in the first half they didn't play well and it kind of allowed Germany to kind of get momentum and he felt like the second the unit felt like they had to kind of take the game back which is what they did I mean he was fantastic so was Austin Reeves Anthony Edwards was spectacular as well I, I, the problem I had though with some of the dialogue was a it was one game Uh against yeah, Germany it was a, a good it was a good team but like not an elite team and Team USA should have played much better, obviously. But it's one game, the last game of an exhibition circuit where you've played all these games leading up to the FIBA World Cup. These guys are just ready to now, start playing uh real games against teams that are competing for the World Cup. And teammates that got caught sleeping, and it felt like Jalen Brunson, because of the nature of how the game went, became like the whipping boy for like everything that's wrong with Team USA and why they need to make these wholesale changes. Nobody talked about when Jalen Brunson was nine for nine playing against the number one ranked team in the world, lightning everybody. Nobody talked about all the other games Jalen Brunson played where he was the best player on the floor, um, uh, where teammates, they blew teams out and the games weren't even competitive because of how dominant he was here. A game where he struggles and team decided to fight back. All of a sudden it's bench Jalen Brunson. I I didn't quite feel like that was fair. Um, I also was annoyed at how the, 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 you know, like you said, I think there are two separate questions: halliburton versus Brunson on this team USA. I think you make case for both ways. I, I talked about both cases for both ways. I thought that uh, Brunson may not play as much on this team, and then he was almost immediately announced as the starter, pretty much. So I was surprised by that, and I said that on this podcast. But then the way he played early on wasn't surprised anymore. I then got frustrated with how it went from that to well, look at what they did in the NBA, you know. And I believe one of these guys, uh, I forgot his name, Josh whatever the name is, I can't remember. I'll, I'll look it up. I don't want to uh, just say whatever your name is. But, like, you know, he's they're posting side-by-side stats seeing, well, look, you know, Ty Howard yeah, yeah, was yeah. better than J- uh, Jalen Brunson last year. And it's like, the one thing I cannot stand when we talk about NBA players and we're breaking down value, and we'll talk about that in a second with the the the, the athletics rankings, is, like, salivating over players who put up these incredible counting stats for teams that aren't winning anything like that to me, it's like the most, like you want to talk about being like a casual, you want to talk about being like the most like surface level type fan. Like that to me is like the biggest way to show me that, especially, especially when you're talking about point guards because point guard play is about being a floor general. It's about leading your team to victory, regardless of what your stats are. All I got here is, well, Tyrese Albert was 20 and 10 and look at his field court center and look at this. When there's no context to, how fast his team plays. His team is one of the, the fastest-paced teams in the NBA. The fact, that how many times his team, uh, how many competitive games he was playing in, the team, I think, was like 9-25 and 25 in games uh, decided by 10, 10 points or more. So he's playing a lot of blowout games this year, and he's putting up these numbers. Um, there's no context to how good the team was, like the fact that they didn't make the playoffs, that they were nowhere near making the playoffs, and it doesn't speak to um, their usage. Like Tyree's Halliburton on the <clears> – <throat> Uh, on the Pacers was essentially the moon and the sun. He was everything. Everything went through him. He's running point. He's taking all the shots. He's doing everything. Now he's doing it at an efficient level, but he's playing on a team that's basically saying run up and down and you're the engine. You're the head. Jalen Brunson plays on a team with another guy that averages 25 points a game. He's got another guy that's averaging almost 20 points a game. And they play a much slower pace. That just point at numbers and say, well, look at Tyree Tyler numbers. Clearly, he's got to be better. That's the most foolish way to think about this. And what I didn't see on these lists of, well, comparing stats between Jalen Brunson and Tyree Tyler I didn't see playoff stats listed. But that would have been a non-acquipable. It would have been an N.A. for Tyree Tyler because he didn't make the playoffs. When I saw someone else put, he had six 30-point games this season, great number. Jalen Brunson had four 30-point games in just six games against the Miami Heat, who won the Eastern Conference. So when we're talking about comparing players and look, looking at stats, you got to add context to those stats—an actual analysis for what these guys do and what these teams do and how they play. When you're trying to figure out where you're ranking guys and who's better than who, the stuff about Hal Burton being a 2010 guy, meaning that he's better than Brunson, was totally ridiculous.
1: Well, they put Westbrook as the team starting point guard. You know, he right? Up Why not? That's you know, have we yeah, have we not learned anything? You know. Um, and and as if Brunson's counting to your point, as if Brunson's counting stats are bad. Um, you, you, to, right. I just looked it up while you were talking. Um, it's actually six career games, he had five 30 po- games, more than 30 points. Halliburton did let this this past season, he had five right. one the season before zero is rookie season, so six in his career games over 30 points. The final six games of the next season <clears throat> against a Miami team that went to the NBA Finals. Brunson averaged average in the six game series 31 points, shooting over 50% from the floor, 89% from the free throw line to go along with 6.3 assists versus less than two turnovers and 5.5 rebounds. That's in a playoff series when he put the team on his back. Um, again, you know, the, the problem with this kind of is you have to attack one guy. You almost have to knock a right. guy down to build the other guy up. They're both very good players. They're both terrific point guards. They can both help Team USA. One has a proven track record, not just passing, but he buried the, the Jazz franchise, essentially, sent right. pack packing Donovan Mitchell out of town. Um, literally almost single-handedly, while, while Luka Doncic watched from the sidelines, the year before he came to the Knicks, came to the Knicks, played like an all-NBA tech club player, player. It was, you know, if not the, the fifth player in the entire whole season, the, you know, in the top 10, somewhere in that conversation, um, played that incredibly well. Um, and you can't dismiss that by saying, yeah, but Howard averaged 20 and 10.
0: Yeah, and it was Josh Eberle who... Who's Magazine, Sporting News, who posted the stat-by-stat the stat breakdown to try to make a case for, uh, I guess, saying that he said too much line going on in the timeline, I assume about Jalen Brunson, where he posted all these stats showing Halliburton was better. By the way, in that stat, also had regular season head-to-head, um, Brunson 2-0 and against Tyrese Halliburton this past season. Knicks were undefeated against uh, the Pacers in those two matches. They I, played I, them and beat them later we, on in the season as well. We need Wally Zerbiak's opinion on this, EJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. It, 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 there, there's going to be a playoff series in the future with Tigers Oh, no Knicks. question. It's going, to, it's going to be very interesting because Halliburton also, I guess, during the mic'd up uh, one, during one of these practices, you know, he, he's, he's befriended uh, Josh Hart. And he's going back and forth with Josh Hart about how, you know, he realized that, you know, he didn't play against the Knicks when Josh Hart was there. And, of course, you know, I mentioned that they were 2-0. Halliburton only played in two of the games the Knicks played against the, the Pacers this year. And he said, oh, you weren't even playing that game? He's like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm going to go crazy against the Knicks this year. And, you know, I what people pointed to how many times the tweet was bookmarked <laughs> by, by people. Yeah. I was one of those bookmarks. I, I will admit, I did bookmark how and say he was going to go crazy against the Knicks. But he, he just always seems to find his way somehow in the Knicks conversation. Sometimes, I think, not even by on, on purpose. Like, he, i mean he it's not his fault that brunson was a starter and he wasn't playing well and he gets inserted here it's not his fault that you know he's getting mic'd up and he's talking to Hart, having fun and that you know that becomes a, a kind of a viral tweet on nick's twitter but every now and then it just seems like halberdon becomes the center of the nicks world you know it dates back to the draft nick's not drafting him him saying that he definitely used that as fuel the had that gives you mention of why he's Zerbiak saying that he's a fake all star. I mean, I, we, we talk about the Trey Young stuff. The Tyrese Halliburton uh, villain arc is way more compelling and way more interesting than the Trey Young uh villain arc, in my opinion, at least the way it began. And I'm not hoping that somehow the Pacers do make the playoffs so we can see a Brunson versus Halliburton matchup, especially if Obi Toppin is still there, because now you got, you know, but kind of a, a nice NBA jam rivalry, you got Halbert and Toppin versus
1: Brunson and Randall. That will be worth the price of admission, and I think you're right. The basketball <laughs> gods, like they somehow, the, they these these matchups tend to find their way, you know, the into almost speaking into existence. I think, yeah, do for, for like a you know, whether it's a you know, three six matchup or, or something along those lines. Um, but uh, yeah, well, you know, the Knicks pro or, to do their part. Let's see if the Pacers. Um, and, and Mr. Halliburton can uh, get his team at least into the play-in tournament uh, and, and give his, his team a chance.
0: And my last thing on that as well is what also annoys me some of the conversation is what, what actually annoys me as an NBA fan is how often, because people don't watch the NBA regular season, like everything that is talked about in terms of where we rank players, the way we talk about players is in the context of whatever they did in the playoffs. And look, the playoffs is where you make your name. So I, I get that to some degree. But there are sometimes where it's like a guy who maybe is not that great in the regular season has a great postseason, and then somehow he gets elevated to this new level that perhaps he shouldn't be at. Here it was like the opposite. <laughs> Jalen Brunson right. had a spectacular playoff, one of the best players in the playoffs this season, and that seemed to be thrown away to point to regular season stats. Like that, that, that just does not happen with most NBA players. Most NBA players would say, "Well, look, regular season, who cares?" Look at what the guy did in the playoffs. But with Jalen Brunson, it was, no, no, forget about the playoffs. Here's the regular season to show that Tyree Tyler version is better. That part of it was a little bit annoying for me. But staying on this conversation about where guys rank in the NBA, the Athletic dropped its annual NBA tier groups created by league analyst Seth Parno. Um, instead of a traditional top 100 or top 50, uh, Parno do, does this thing, and he's a former director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks. He groups the players in specific tiers to highlight where they stack among the NBA's best. In Partner's words, he's determining, quote, um, that assuming the player is healthy and paired with competitive teammates, which player provide the most value toward winning a title, which I actually think is a great way to think about ranking players. So I was very curious to you, how did this whole thing shake out. Well, with that being said, it raised eyebrows for some Knicks fans that Julius Randle, who's coming in uh after another all NBA season was listed in tier B of to me 4B on this list, which means he ranked uh between 55 and 66 among the top 120 players in the NBA, according to this list. In speaking about Randall Jux's position, uh, as a player uh, who plays well in the postseason but in regular season but struggles in the postseason, Partner said, quote, The very definition of a floor-raising but ceiling-limiting profile. A player who is exceptionally hard to value through the prism of championship contention as getting to the playoffs is the first step in winning a title. And having a regular season innings eater or two can help a team get to the postseason without overtaxing its top players. But building with or around such players is difficult, uh, both because of the need to move away from their preferred style once on the court, um, adding that is simply not realistic to expect uh, to be able to afford a championship roster, knowing that a near max regular season uh, workhorse is going to have to take a much smaller role. If a team has designed to make a deep playoff run, a very interesting read on Julius Randle. Uh, the true uh, the, 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 the power forwards, the true power forwards least that were ranked ahead of Randle on this list included Giannis, Anthony Davis, J- uh, Jaron Jackson, Dr- uh, Draymond Green, Pascal Siakam, Zion Williamson, Lowry Marketing, Evan Mobley, Chris Stass Porzingis, and Paolo Bancaro. Uh For what it's worth, uh, in tier five of this list, uh, it included the likes of RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Qu- and Quentin Grimes. That would have been players, I believe, ranked outside the top 80 or so. So between like 80 and 120 is where those guys would sit. And then uh, for the highest rated, Nick, of course, was Jalen Brunson. He made it to tier three B, ranking him between 25 and 25. And thirty-five. So, I asked you, Tommy. Given uh, the explanation by uh, Parno, do you think that Julius Randle is rated too low on this list?
1: Yeah. So, uh, in full disclosure, I never try I try not to pay too much attention to these lists because, number one, you got to uh, try to recognize intention behind creating lists is to generate conversation, which is will true. generate clicks. Um, same reason people are saying Halliburton just sort of Brunson, you know, they, they, you know, generates, uh, some debate and it generates interactions and, and all, and all that other stuff. Um, so that being said, I, I do like the, the way you spelled out the way he spelled out the, 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 the text with which the prism through he's, through which he's viewing the value, attempting mm-hmm. to assess the value of each player. Um, and like we discussed, uh, when, you know, as we discussed, we're having these conversations about rankings, about all-star appearances. Okay, who are the guys, if you're going to say he's outside the top 50, who are the guys that you have ahead? And in particular, who are the guys at his position? So, you know, right. Giannis, AD, Jaron Jackson, Draymond Green, even though he's a little bit long in the tooth, Pascal Siakam, eh, you know, okay, well, you know, we can have that conversation. <laughs> Z- He's a champion. Uh, He's a champion, even though, uh, you know, Randall was ahead of him on the All-NBA battle last right. year. Um, Zion Williams, a whole nother, you know, conversation. We won't even get into that. This where it gets interesting, kind of, that next, these these final four names. Marketing, Mobley, Chris Stapps, and Caro. Let's start with uh, ben- uh, Caro. You can't, <laughs> the same arguments make against, Randall limited upside you know you don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs you can't say that Rand, that, that that Powell is going to be a dominant postseason performer um, because one he hasn't right. gotten it done uh, didn't play all that well in the in, in his time at duke in, in big games um you know so I, I just don't see how a similar one-dimensional player that isn't as good as a passer that isn't as durable that isn't as proven um can can be ranked uh, uh you know in, in the same class or even let alone ahead of um, uh, 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 Julius Randle, yeah. Chris Daps, Porzingis, dealing with a injury now, coming off a pretty good season, um, has ne- has never done anything in the postseason of note. Yeah, he's been um, he's been he's a he's really been a poor
0: postseason player when he played post-season in Dallas. They he essentially got sent out because he was not a good fit with, with uh, Luka Doncic.
1: Three teams now have given up on him. Um, you know, you know. For, obviously, the Wizards didn't dump him, but um, they traded him away. Dallas was unhappy with the fit. We know what happened with the Knicks. Um, so very difficult for me to for me to see a logical argument. Um, you know, in other words, if you give thirty GMs the opportunity to take one of those two players, I'd be shocked if the majority you know took Porzingis over over uh, uh, Randall. As and, and as the as the author mentions in the post. There is a a lot of how regular season victories you can't get to the you can't have a postseason run if you don't get to the postseason and you can't get to the postseason without playing well in the regular season and giving yourself a chance to win a postseason series by being one of the top four, five, six, you know, two, three seeds or something along those lines. Um, Evan Obley didn't play, obviously, very poorly against the Knicks and Randall and injured Randall in the postseason, Um, uh, you know. And looking in, uh, same. What has he done in the postseason to, to prove that he's better than Randall? Um, the one question I had is, in, in particular, with Paolo and and Mobley, was it just this season, or is it you know the value long term that he? So it, he
0: he 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 talks about it as a projection for winning a championship in 2024. He also added that he tends to. He had a very. Deep, that was one thing I appreciated about this okay. list, and I kind of wish got lost it doesn't get lost on twitter because quite frankly you know we just see a list on twitter people but he had a very detailed aspect of saying he says he always kind of grades rookies on like a curve or lack of a better term like he he expects a certain bump to come from rookie to sophomore year purely just by development of learning how to play in the nba so someone like paul Bancaro, i would assume i would love to talk to him about this got a bump because he's like this is what you did as a rookie i'm gonna assume you're much better, uh, giving you the rookie of the year. in your is, second. to be not a rookie, gonna, but maybe he got that same bump as well?
1: It's is it gonna bump up from two, to 25, 10 and 5 uh, in, in 80 well, games? I mean, that's what he's gotta right. do to, to get <laughs> yeah. To 10, 10. That's yeah.
0: It's that's so I, that's, that's the weird that's, thing about this.
1: I, I can see that,
0: yeah. That's the weird thing about this because I thought his read on Randall was extremely accurate. I think that he basically yes. raises the questions that you and I talk about the all the same, time The
1: same criticisms we, criticism we've had for the last six months.
0: Right. And and they're all valid. Like, I don't disagree with yes. anything, he said. Right. He's a floor-raising, ceiling-limiting pro player who's hard to value through the prism of championship contention. Like, yeah, that's been the whole issue, why we talk that's about Julius right. Randall as much as we do on this podcast. I guess the problem I have is, it, in some ways, it feels like Randall gets dinged for we are seeing him fail which he's failed there's no de- debate about that again we talked about that a bunch but then there's there are these other guys who they again it's kind of similar to the Halbern thing it's not applicable <laughs> like we don't have we have very little evidence to know what they would be in terms of winning a championship and it almost gets assumed well they'll be great so we're gonna bump them up again even guys we actually have seen in the postseason like an evan Mobley, like in chris apple those in small sample sizes those guys were non Evan Mobley, was a non factor against the Knicks pretty much. He, I mean, maybe you could say he was good defensively against Randall, maybe, but if Got you're it. telling me Randall is so bad, then who cares if he was a good defender against Julius Randall? You're telling me Randall can't play, so like, so okay, Mobley, pretty much a non factor, definitely a non factor offensively. Guys, lunch eaten by uh Mitchell Robinson on the glass. Uh, Chris Aspozangas, again, got sent out by Dallas because they realized after the second postseason run, this guy is not going to be able to help us win a championship. That's literally a guy who a team decided who's trying to win a championship that we're done mm-hmm. with this guy. And then, like you mentioned, Powell Bancaro, a rookie? I mean, I don't know. I like, Powell Bancaro is really good in this uh Team USA thing. I think he's a really good player. I, I have no idea what to make of what Powell Bancaro is going to be in terms of comparing him to Julius Randle, what Randle brings every night. And then the Lowry marketing thing, it sucks because I really like Larry marketing's game. And this is a guy I've been like championing for years. And I, I actually ended up selling my sock right before he went to Utah. Cause I was like, I don't know. I've just, I've been trying to say that this guy was going to be great and maybe it's not going to work out. And then finally he, he does become the all-star I thought he could be, but it just like, I didn't feel like Randall got that kind of respect after his first year, when he was most improved player. And, right. you know, and it was just one year I know where people kind of wrote him off and then he has his all-star season. With marketing, it, it feels like he has this one season and his team didn't even make the playoffs. And they're just automatically just shooting him up to the top 30, top 25, top 40. And I'm like, it was one season. His team wasn't good. Like, where is the, where is the, like, let's see him do it twice thing. Like, when you're ranking Randall, I can't really rank him because Randall has not shown he's a championship power player. I said it a bunch. But, my my confusion is when i see the players at his position listed ahead of him and i see guys who are also unproven like do you just get a pass yeah. because you haven't gotten an opportunity or do you get a pass because your opportunities happened a long time ago and you flopped like or they were so short that like i mean everybody played his time in the play was so short it was five games It was like did that you get a pass because it was so short like we didn't see him very long so like oh it's five games maybe he'll be better I, that's where i would have a question with Seth about how he came with Randall falling so low in that regard
1: yeah I mean that's the thing he was the top he was an all NBA player two of the last three seasons you know that's a top 15 player in the NBA if you want to knock him if you don't think he's top 15 because of his playoff production a no, fair argument uh, knock him down to 30 you know 45 somewhere along those lines, you know maybe you know outside the top 30 if you, you know outside the top 40 if you want to pick nits a little bit and you know kind of get into the weeds and say you know this he does this you know and that guy does that better etc um but to drop them past those guys is uh, is is very difficult to make a rational reasonable argument to defend that position
0: what is your feeling on Rand or oh, be brunson being in that 25 to 33 range when you look at those players does that feel right to you
1: I mean, again, if if we're kind of discounting the the the, the, uh, the ability, you know, or, or discounting the value of regular season production and exalting the value of post production, then Brunson should be higher on the list. You know, right. um, he may not, you know, put up the twenty and ten that Halliburton did, um, you know, but uh, it, it, when it came to, again, time for postseason, there weren't ten players um, that that you'd rather have on your team if you were, you know, you had one if you could, you know. It, you're dropped into the NBA finals, GM, and you can pick your team. Um, you're not getting too far before you take Jalen Brunson. You're certainly not getting to 25 players before you take Jalen Brunson. So, um, that, that's I think that's you know, if you're going to argue that Brunson gets dinged because of his postseason, you can't not credit Brunson because of his postseason production.
0: Now, you mentioned postseason production, guys listed ahead of him, James Harden. I mean, he's over postseason production. I, I don't know about my, that. My, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I know Donovan Mitchell is, is a very good player, but I mean, he was outplayed by Jalen Brunson in that same playoff series. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Edwards uh, was miserable during the play-in, had struggles during the actual NBA playoffs as well. Uh I don't know; it's it, it's a it's a little it's tough. I, I think he's in the ballpark. I've always thought of Brunson as a top twenty-five player at this point in the NBA. Whether you're saying you're just ranking them or you're just ranking them based on your team being able to win championships. I think that that's where I would list him. Uh, I have a tough time with some of these guys that they listed ahead of him. And then some guys are just getting like career achievement. Like what is Kawhi Leonard at this point? Like, okay, he's, he's in this tier two, which puts him kind of in the top 15 or so, but like, he he hasn't actually been able to really play in the playoffs. Like, doesn't that also have value as well? Like your ability to actually be durable and be available. Like, I don't know if I'd list him in the top 50. Like the guy cannot play in the playoffs. Like, like Chris Paul ranked ahead of Julius Randle again, a guy who can't get through a postseason. He couldn't even get through a playoff series. Like
1: that's it may not be a be, starter on his own team.
0: Right, he may not start now. He's playing behind, but the best point guard exactly. ever, according to Steph Curry. Exactly. But um, but still, true. like yeah, that's a guy who's who's now going to take a backup role on a team that's trying to win a championship. He's not going to be a starter, but it was tricky. I mean, again, when I look at the guys that were in the same tier as Randle, but listed ahead in tier. 4A is both a 4B. Chris Paul, C.J. McCollum, again, McCollum, is he a small guard who's a tweener? Is he going to – Is he, he has more playoff value than Julius Randle? Uh, that's kind of questionable to me. Uh, they put Robert Williams here. That was a little surprising as well. Robert, I don't think Robert Williams is more valuable to change than Julius Randle, as much as I love Robert Williams. Like some of this stuff,
1: have, I thought was a little. Stay on the floor, that Harden right. thing. The worst one, the worst one so far is having Harden ahead of Brunson. This no general manager in the NBA, no coach, no front office executive. You could add say you have one player this season. Who do you want, Harden or Brunson? The, the belly aching from Harden aside, you, you take Brunson without even, without even thinking about. It.
0: And you, you talk about you contributing towards winning a championship. I mean, team chemistry yeah. has a little has a little something to do with that, and 100%. Uh, being. Able, yeah, and being you know being being a player who could at any moment just blow up and <laughs> blow up your team, blow up an NBA season, I feel like that would be of a concern. We're talking about uh, where where, like was where was, was Kyrie? Kyrie was listed in the same. He was in the same grouping as Jalen Brunson, so they were both in this. There were all these guards who were kind of all listed together. So it was right. like uh, it was Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, and Brunson. They were all kind of in the same listing along with Zion, Lowry, Marketing, Pascal Siakam, Draymond Green, and uh, Chris right. Middleton. Um, interestingly enough, they, he listed uh, De'Aaron Fox a tick above those guys. So, again, you talk about playoff performance. I mean, Fox's team yep. lost in the first round. Jalen Brunson's team won in the first round. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, yeah. it, is, it is very interesting nonetheless. Um, but I think that's a good place to leave it for this week. So I want to thank you guys so much for checking out. This edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, again, uh, really awesome. Uh, thank you so much for you guys uh, for checking us out. As always, you can catch all of our shows on on the um, uh, on wherever you get your podcasts, including the free RC app. Be sure to hit the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time they drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the WFAN channel on there. Uh, Tommy lets people know where they can find us. at
1: Tommy Beer on Twitter.
0: Find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Twitter. Actually, EJ on Instagram TikTok. Again, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode on Blue Bloods. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, guys. Peace.